Yes, sir. yes, sir. The man wanted to ride. What did he do? Swing down, sweet child. If you're feeling my vibe, then we can all just ride. If you want to get down, then we can all just ride. All my people, throw your hands up high and just ride. Where you're from, east side to west side, just ride. All my people from uptown to downtown. From Cali to NY, you know we all. From the floor, the key to deep. Hey, Ryan. Can you hear me okay? Hey, what's good? Yes, sir. What's going on, Jason? How are you doing? You having a good weekend? Yeah, it was a pretty good weekend here in uh, the greater Toronto area. Okay. Um, yeah, good barbecue weather. Enjoyed nice. probably a bit too much. And <laughs> yeah, sounds like a good weekend. It was uh, it's pretty warm here, so I quite enjoyed that. Uh, mm-hmm. Hello, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, you're listening to the Bay Heights Podcast, and I'm Jason and with Ryan here. Uh, if you need, if you uh, have any feedback, you're welcome it at bayheightspod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bay Heights Pod. Um, yeah, I uh, realize we haven't really been um, giving our handles to the to our listeners, so I thought I would uh, get that off the bat. Actually, just uh, yeah, we have to yeah have to do a better job of <laughs> plugging, as they say. Yeah, yeah get our yeah. stuff in. I uh, yeah, no, it's been, it's been a bit of a whirlwind weekend. I mean, I, I can't say I did necessarily a lot, but it was just like. Mm-hmm few different conversations with friends and was just like talking about just life stuff, catching up with old friends mm-hmm. I've seen in, in many years. Like one of my buddies, uh, who's from, he was one of my friends in Shanghai, uh, when I lived there Oh wow! and, uh, he kind of just stayed there and, uh, originally from DC, I think he's back in DC now. And, uh, mm-hmm. it, it was really, it was a trip. It's just, it's really cool. Uh, just catching yeah. up with some old, old, some old friends in a day. Yeah. Yeah. It was my, um, it was my daughter's sixth birthday on Saturday. Okay. Very and, cool. um, yeah, I'm sure it was cool for her. <laughs> um, and, um, <laughs> if she's listening to this <clears throat> and, um, yeah, I just kind of, you know, the news is depressing. I mean, you and I don't live in Florida, but, uh, my oh, God, yeah. um, it's, you know, even if Florida is ground zero, I mean, it's not like the rest of the North America is doing, you know, spectacularly great um yeah i just try to take my mind off things a little bit um just watch some old wrestling i guess there's wwe's really celebrating the life of uh of the undertaker so i've just been kind of watching some obscure um (laughs) matches and old programs he was in you know prior to um the wwe it's yeah it's It's interesting right because because he was i mean he's for the company over that span of time he's definitely a top five guy but in terms of mm-hmm. he was the top dog in the whole company, like it's hard to, there are definitely times he had the belt and there are definitely times he was headlining. And you could argue his streak at WrestleMania was basically also like a double main event, but it's, it's yeah. to bring out like feuds and like moments like that. Like they're kind of, it's more like with him, I view him as like a guy that had memories that sort of jumped out, you know, they were just, well, that's the images that kind of really stick yeah. with me, but you know, it's not well, that's the what they realized. They, yeah. yeah, they realized they had, you know, Andre with him and dusty Rhodes. They realized they had a guy and, and I guess Piper, but, but more of an Andre. Um, okay. yeah. When people, you know, I think when wrestling historians and history will look back in his career, they're saying, okay, that's the guy who really should not have been. You're right. Because he had, you know, championship runs and where he, he was he had to be in the main event because he had the belt but really he should not have really ever had the belt but 
I think the case could be made that you had to throw the belt at him um, just for legitimate legitimacy purposes. Um, yeah. But yes, he will be looked back as a guy who was a spectacle, probably should have been used less. Um, but I guess, you know, somewhere along the 2000 and, you know, pr- basically WrestleMania 20 and onward, they realized what they had in him. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, you weren't just going to you retroactively rewrite his career. I mean, he put in all that ring time. But, yeah, he's a fascinating story. Yeah. Um, kind of, yeah, he's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a trip, I think. It was pretty cool because, you know, we did start off with The Last Dance. Yeah, okay. Um, talking about with NBA Pakistan. And WWE, apropos, named his docuseries The Last Ride. Okay. And, and it is pretty much them detailing his last kind of year okay. in the business and, um, okay. and how it, um, yeah. So it's, it's, it's pretty interesting it, how it, well, it mm-hmm. made sense too. That was his, that was the name of his finishing move during the American badass years during the attitude. Era. Yep. So, yep. It was a play know. on that, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but it was just, it was just really good. The last dance. I feel like, you know, Dwayne Wade, when he, you know, he was going on in his uh, final year with that, like, um, he like one last dance. I don't know. It was, uh, it felt a little more contrived. You know what I mean? Cause like, it's just like the way he put it on Twitter and put it out there. It felt like more like a marketing gimmick. Whereas I kind of, I don't recall in 98 Phil and that being a term talked about then. Um, no, but was, you know, to be fair, I mean, yeah. you know, and, 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 you know, rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. But uh, I mean, it's funny because him and Tim Duncan retired the same year. And Tim Duncan just had some B-level handler just release a statement saying, yep, uh, Tim Duncan's officially well, retired. Whereas that, that, Kobe had this, yeah. you know, this um, this Mick Jagger yeah. send-off yeah. for the entire year, like a world <laughs> tour. But it was organic. It was like, it could have developed I mean, organically. Like each it was organic. No, like each yeah. arena, they were just wanting to mm-hmm. pile on and do their own thing. Like it started out because sure. he didn't announce it in the beginning of the year. He was like playing, playing, playing. And then there was one game where you just said to Byron Scott, like, hey, you know, this is going to be a line last season, right? And then he came out with mm-hmm. the Players Tribune article where he just, his ode to the game and his love of the game. And he just sort of said, yeah, I'm just, you know, I gave everything I had and I'm proud of what I've done and I can, I can walk away peacefully. And he was just going to ride out that season. And it just sort of happened organically that, oh, actually he's getting – voted in as a starter in Toronto and he's getting, mm-hmm. he's getting like the, the high level treatment from Drake and like, and then different, and the Detroit, I don't know if you've ever seen on YouTube, the Detroit Pistons in his one game in Detroit, like the way they rolled it out for him, it was just, there was a love for him and a great appreciation from, because the thing is like, put aside Dwayne for a second, this guy did 20 year, 20 plus, 20 years. Mm-hmm. Right? And there was all with this one team, he'd won five, five, five rings and his level, like, you know, you talk about Kobe, LeBron, Jordan, like, He's in that upper echelon. If you want to grade like the Hall of Fame, he's in that upper tier. And Dwayne was a very solid player. And he played, I think it was 10 or 13 years. I mean, it was, it was a long time, a lot of good service. But it was not at Kobe's level. And he put it out on Twitter. Like he put, it, was, it was just a little more forced. It didn't feel gotcha. like That's kind of what yeah. I'm getting at. And then it was just like every well, team yeah, yeah. felt obliged to come up with their presence. And he's doing the jersey trades. He's coming up with the photo ops. Like... It was. I saw the jersey trades. Yeah, and uh, and you know what? Like, not knocking it. It's a different generation, but uh, yeah. So, well, I actually don't follow. I kind of make it um, 
not a priority, but I, I make it, um, I, I don't like to follow athletes on social media. Okay. Um, okay. if it's, if it's newsworthy enough, it will pop up in my feed. Fair enough. Um, <clears throat> but, but I would don't expect, I mean, Kobe Bryant's never been shy of the spotlight, right? So I'm not knocking Kobe for what he did. Um, you know, to, to say that he's some sort of, um, spotlight, um, okay. you know, yeah. uh, gra- no, it, he's, he's absolutely entitled to that. I, I was happy for him. It was a wonderful year capped off by that 60 game performance. So I would never knock Kobe for, for, for doing it, what he did. It's, it's, yeah. it's just really reflective of his personality and Tim Duncan's. And yeah, I guess you could say that Dwayne Wade, you know, he, he, he definitely fell short of a Kobe level career. And like you well, said, it might, I'm it not- might've been more contrived. Yeah, I'm not going to knock him for not having a career of Kobe, right? I mean, because many, many guys don't. It's more the way he wants to have his send-off. It's like, it's not... Gotcha. He's trying to draw it in, right? It's not like Dirk is just doing mm-hmm. his thing. He's being celebrated by teams around the... like And guys like Doc Rivers who's just calling for like applause for Dirk. Like, there's just something right. about it. And um, Whereas Dwayne's trying to play to the crowd and egg them on. So, so it's... Mm-hmm. Dirk and Kobe are like wrestlers from like attitude area and prior whereas Dwayne is playing it like a wrestler from like from like at the post John Cena era the NXT era where they've learned a very contrived way of performing which is just really hard to that's play. for sure but that's kind that's of for what sure. it, that's kind of what's happening and then yeah the fact that he's uh, he was still somehow involved with the Chicago All-Star game so it wasn't like he was gone long enough for you to really miss him either I don't know it was uh that's true that's different I yeah um I kind of wonder if maybe like because I'm kind of, I don't have more to say on it, but I actually wonder if this is something we can talk about another time, which is be like, like the best kind of farewells or like the different farewell mm-hmm. stories. But uh, what we, what I was going to dive into, because um, this has been on my mind a lot, which is draft reform, okay. and it's kind of died down a bit in recent years because, like, yes, there's tanking, but it hasn't been as egregious as it was during the Sam Hinkie era with the Philadelphia 76ers, where um, at that point in time, because of his tanking, like there was just the media was talking about, oh, like we're just encouraging losing and we're just going to, it's putting out a bad product and all this. And we'll get to that in a second, but like just just a, re, just a refresher on what Sam Hinkie was doing was when, when the, the 76ers signed him to be the general manager and he was a disciple of Daryl Morey, like, Sam Hinkie ran the analysis. He was an ex-consultant, like a strategy consultant, good with his numbers and analytics. And he just said, okay, look, here's what happens with championship teams. Here's what they have in common. Hall of Famers or like, no, uh, high, high, like high draft picks. That's what they have in common, multiple high draft picks. And then he was like, okay, well, what's the easiest way to get them? It's really the draft. And it's just, the process was, we're just going to lose year after year to get as many high top draft picks as we can because to actually pick one who's going to be great is actually pretty difficult it's to get many different at bats at it many picks at it and then you would then you would get they would they would draft i think it was Nerlens wells okay they trade him away they would get michael kid gilchrist i think was was him or is it uh michael uh, michael carter williams or uh, there was a few different players that they picked that didn't quite pan out for them so they moved them on um and then anyway the the the, the pinnacle was obviously joel Embiid and ben simmons and so it kind of worked out for Philadelphia. However, in the meantime, they were losing tons of games and it was just seen as a bit of a mockery. So now what they've done in the recent years is they just flattened out the odds. So like the bottom three teams have like kind of like the same number, same amount of odds, but it's still 
it's still like you're still incentivized to be the last to be among the last place teams. So I thought, okay, maybe the just the draft. Let's just redo it, right? Let's just remodel it a bit. So one, the kind of there's a few things that we want to hit with it. In in what I'm going to propose a scheme with you is one a few objectives. One is to eliminate tanking. We don't want that. It's just not good for the product. It just doesn't look good for the fans, and it just sort of. Um, what it also means too is like I think when your players on those teams, I think it actually start you you could actually start to instill bad habits or even just the coaches and the officials in the organizations being in a losing environment. Like if you ever work for a company that just sort of doesn't really care, like it's just not a great place to be, and it kind of it, it kind of can stunt people's growth, their career growth, and their their ability to develop. So it's not great. You also want to reward teams for winning. So like. There are teams where historically they might be like ninth place, tenth place in their conference. They're kind of not really a contender for the playoffs, so they might be able to try and get in to the eighth seed and then maybe get swept by the first round. And then they also not really like they're not really in contention for the top draft pick, which is also not really fair, right? And it's kind of what message is it sending that you're actually better off just trying to lose more games than you are trying to win. So you want to reward teams for winning. Then you can even extend that argument to teams who are in the middle of the playoff brackets. They're like, okay, well, we're the fourth or fifth seed, like maybe like the uh, the Al Horford Atlanta Hawks. Well, before Kyle Kovac came, but like you're just sort of like in that middle. You're sort of there, but what are we really achieving? And like a bunch of the small market teams who are in there, like how do they move to the next level? So you want to encourage that. Then also they talk about competitive balance, right? That 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 was one of the. We want to like the whole point of having last place teams have a shot at top, top draft picks was because you want to create a feedback mechanism for teams to recover and sort of improve themselves, even though they don't have great players. They're in a small market. Maybe they are just maybe not managed well. So, um, so, so that's one of the. So, you ever play Settlers of Catan? Sorry, is this, uh, say that again. And was that English that you just said? Oh, it's a board game, the Settlers of Catan. It's a oh, it's Settlers of Catan. Yeah. No, I played Oregon Trail when I was growing up. Okay, like, tell me about this game. Well, it's just a uh, high level. I mean, it's just it's it's a bunch of play- you get four or six players, I think, and you're trying to establish your villages. You're trying to you know accumulate resources, whether it's wheat or grain, uh, wheat or stone or whatever, kind of like what it would be back in the pre uh, pre industrial revolution era. And you're trying to establish a certain trail. Like there's a point system for establishing your settlements, et cetera. And the way it works is you trade, you build, and then you're like, there, there's a dynamic where you can kind of take the lead and lose the lead. Now, in some ways, it sounds like Monopoly. The difference is Monopoly is you're just going to try and take away everyone's money and knock them out of the game. And then by the, by the time you get to like the last two guys, the other few people who were playing are kind of walking around the room with nothing to do because they've been kicked out of the game, which is kind of boring. And by the time you get to the last two people, it's pretty boring because you keep rolling the dice, right? So, and then until eventually the one guy has to give up, which takes forever. Now, Settlers of Catan, the reason why it's such a thriving uh, game is because no one ever gets kicked out. It's just eventually Mm. someone will win at the end, but it's not like when you fall behind that you're automatically behind and there's no way to come back like there isn't Monopoly. You, gotcha. there, are feedback, there are comeback mechanisms in the game that you can be in last place, and then at the end of the game, you might actually still come up and win. And so that was the that's a bit of a tangent, but I wanted to point out why it's really important. I why I really do understand what the league's trying to do, 
by having mm-hmm. the drafts set up the way they do, where they prioritize teams that are not doing well. And then, like the last, um, the last thing that kind of doesn't get mentioned a lot about, but I think it's worth pointing out is in, is that when you're like the top players of college or high school, and you get put on the worst teams, like sometimes that really has a bad bad effect on you, right? And, and we're going to, like, uh, we don't need to go too deep into that because I actually want to cover that on another podcast and another date. But, like, it's just think about, like, when you come out of college and you go work for a company like, I don't know, like like Google or something like that, like, you're going to work around these other really bright people and it's gonna you're going to just learn and develop in a certain way. You work in a real world-class organization. Whereas, like, I've worked in companies that, and, and, and groups that weren't that well managed where the, the managers weren't that great and it just wasn't a great environment. And then you don't necessarily develop that same level. And so you wonder if certain players like um, like Boogie Cousins or Anthony Davis were like, okay, well, maybe being on the Sacramento Kings or being on the New Orleans uh, Pelicans, like, was that really the best thing for the players? But then also, if you're the league, you're putting a lot of the top players in these small markets where they're not really getting as much like airtime on, on meaningful games on TV. Now, thankfully Zion Williamson is on a team that's kind of relevant and it's kind of exciting, but for the most part, it doesn't always happen that way. Right. So I wanted to tackle yeah. those uh, points. So you follow so far kind of the main objectives. I was kind of, yeah, I had to Google, I had to Google your little board game there. I think <laughs> okay. I've seen it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. With you on that one, it's uh, it's quite a fun game. I got to tell you, when I was living in Asia, okay. it was uh, came up a lot. So, okay, I'm gonna go through basically. It's it's the lottery picks. Now, historically, you just go lottery like first pick all the way down to like the 14th, and those are all the 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 lottery picks, right? Now, historically, the first pick, you know, based on lottery odds, the worst odds. However, I think you could lock it in to if you look at the Conference finals, the last four teams. Okay, two of those teams are going to win and go off to the championship, go and play for the NBA championship. The other mm-hmm. two teams have lost, right? So we we applaud them. They were really good. Maybe they'll be back next year. And quite often, a lot of the feedback is, well, those guys are just one piece away. Those, maybe they're just one piece away from getting to the to the finals. Well, what if they get the best? What if they? What if the team that has the best record of those two teams that have lost gets that first pick, guaranteed? Right. So my rationale is this. You want to reward teams for winning. You want to you want to take the best player there. You want to potentially put them in a, in a situation where they're going to be around great veterans, great other players where they have a solid work ethic, great management, coaching. Right. So the top draft pick is going to have like that around them. They're going to play in meaningful games like we saw Jason Tatum play in meaningful games eventually because he was he managed to get drafted into a certain situation because Boston had traded for different picks. So playing for meaningful games mm-hmm. matters. The league is going to get that top draft pick on like national televised games that matter. And, and yeah, so you're incentivizing teams to really try and win throughout the regular season because ultimately their record is going to count. Like if they manage to get to the conference finals and they lose, like – in the conference finals, now of the two teams, like they're going to get the first pick. Now, I'm also just I'll also talk about the second pick at the same time because I'm thinking the other team would get the second pick, right? And um, I'll give you a scenario here. 
right? And then after that, I'll ask you for some feedback. So let's say the first pick, right? Let's say in 2016-17, in that season, the San Antonio Spurs lost to the Golden State Warriors. That was the year, I believe, that uh, Kawhi uh, rolled his ankle. Got injured, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. which was kind of sad because they, I mean, that, that game, like the Spurs were kind of rolling the, the Warriors, actually. Mm-hmm. They were doing really good. Yep. Uh, and that, that Warriors team had just lost, to, well, not lost. They were down 3-1 to the Thunder and they come back and won. Um, and then, yeah, they're playing the Spurs team and Kawhi's just playing out of his mind. Then he gets injured. Then, you know, you know the rest of the story with Kawhi. So I looked at it. They're a 61-win team. They, um, the, they would have, they would have, uh, they would have gotten that first pick under my scheme, that first round pick. That was the, the 2017 draft was where it was Markel Fultz, Lonzo Ball, and Jason Tatum going one, two, three. What if the Spurs were in a position where they could draft Jason Tatum? Like that team was good, but they could have used that help. Uh, Jason Tatum could have, who knows like what, what, machin, what, what machinations happen after, like who you trade, who you let go. Like uh, who you keep, like even if you want to trade Jason Tatum, but you have a trade, you have a trade piece to make your team better. But well, like if Jason Tatum is now playing on a meaningful team, like he ended up playing for Boston, and the Spurs actually do as good or better the next year while Kawhi is out because he's injured, um, or if maybe Kawhi is even inspired to just sort of stay on the Spurs because now okay now you got this other young guy and I can we can be this one two punch and we can really like the two of us long athletic talented we can take golden state in a way that russ and kd could have but kd had left like that's one scenario right another mm-hmm. scenario in that first round pick is in 2015 2016 the toronto raptors lost to the cleveland cavaliers the conference final right and golden state had beaten okc but toronto had a better record than okc so then toronto could have drafted ben simmons right now that's before the Kawhi trade. So what if now the Raptors have Kyle Lowry, Ben Simmons, DeMar DeRozan? Like, now the Kawhi trade, we don't know that. I mean, that happened. But, like, that's such a once in a, like, it's such a rare occurrence that that can happen. And so many things have to happen. So there's a world where that doesn't happen. It's not likely to happen. So at least mm-hmm. you, have ben, you have this other trio. Or even if you got Kawhi, like, that's a, like a star-studded lineup right there. And maybe... um like just just think about the combinations that you can run like Kyle, Kyle can play off ball all of a sudden now they are a threat to Cleveland right in the following year like these teams that make the conference finals I think there should be some kind of reward for them and also when you have like Golden State Cleveland going finals every year like there are teams who they play who like the Rockets which I'll, I'll uh like they like they're kind of right there and if you go into the next season knowing that the team you just beat is going to add like a prime piece. It has to keep you on your game and you can't take for granted that you're going to win. And it just keeps it spicy. That's kind of one thing. Like, um, and, and actually I'll, I'll, get, I'll give you the two scenarios of like the, the, uh, the number two pick, right? In 2015, 2016, OKC would get the next pick. They could have taken like Brandon Ingram, right? That would have, he would have replaced KD. Like KD had, would have left by then. Like we don't, I mean, it's, I know like we're sort of, playing counterfactuals because a lot of these players like some people might be questioning well you know like Brandon Ingram he hasn't even made an all-star team and all these guys but like if they if a lot of these players like Brandon Ingram doesn't go to a dysfunctional Lakers team but he goes to like a well-run Oklahoma City Thunder team does he actually blossom to become a much like just a superb talent right now you can make arguments well how will he play like with Russia or not but I mean 
there's a good team and there's a bad team. I think people play on good teams. Like in a lot of cases, they learn, right? Um, another instance, sorry, it was 2011, 2012. I dug back there. It was Oklahoma City beat the San Antonio Spurs. The Spurs could have picked up Bradley Beal or Damian Lillard, right? So you kind of, you get to reinforce, you get to lock and reload, right? And so like, um, so what do you think so far? Like, I don't, first, don't address the point about, okay, now you're making the rich richer and it's going to make teams weaker. I do address that later, but what okay. do you this idea first? Like, what do you, any positive or negative feedback on it? So philosophically, I'm always open to change okay. and it seems pretty cool. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. I, I think, um, I don't think tanking is as easy okay. as you make it seem. I think tanking is hard, actually. I think tanking is really, really hard. Okay. Um, okay. Certainly not because you have to find this, the lame duck coaches and the lame duck GMs. Yeah, you're right. Your fan base suffers for so long. It's like people do lose their jobs. And you think star players are going to be like, like no. I have a chance to score 20 points a game. I'm only going to score no. 15. The star um, players, players don't tank, but organizations might structure themselves to try and do that, which is what the, the Sixers did do. Sure. But even that, I have and a hard time yeah. proving intention. Okay. I, it, it, on the surface, me... yes, they did tank and they're not the only ones to do it. How about um, I rephrase it for you? Not tank. Okay. But there are a lot of teams that, they're they're basically okay. We're not good. We're just gonna we're gonna go for the lottery. We're gonna try and just get the number one pick. That's what we're gonna do. We're not gonna we're not we're, they're not like Brooklyn the Brooklyn Nets over the last couple of years. We're not gonna try and develop culture, develop an apparatus, and like develop our own talent. We're just like you look at the Knicks. You look at like the the Clav Cavaliers. Some had three number one picks within a five year ten year period. We, My like, question is, how do so? I, I'm with you on teams that want to get first and second overalls year after okay. year after year. That I'm okay with. Okay. Um, but who's the – and I can certainly think of a, a bunch of teams wanting to tank, say, the year that LeBron's come into the draft. But um, who's who's been, like, the guy since LeBron that you're like, you know what, this is a good year to tank? Um, nobody. Um, so that's that's where I struggle, right? Because – I'll give you another argument. Um, the Edmonton Oilers in the NHL notoriously get, my God, they just get studs after studs after. Now we've addressed how hockey is. You can have five elite players, and in basketball, if you had five elite players, you're winning a ring. But in hockey, it actually doesn't get you maybe yeah. anywhere. Um, hockey is, is a, almost a complete team game. Okay. where you can actually win championships without stars and stars actually might, might hinder your, your ability to, to win a cup. Um, it's not like that in basketball. Um, I'm just thinking, okay, so I'm with you on all your permutations, right? How let's reward um, six seeds and even conference finals. I'm, I'm actually okay with all well, that. We haven't got um, there yet. We haven't got there. Okay. So yeah. So just I'll the, let you continue. To, yeah. All right. Mm -hmm. Well, okay. So then the, now we do want to, again, have that feedback mechanism so that um, teams that are not doing well, they have a chance to re re lock and reload and get some good talent. But like, they gotta be, 
like with the mindset that we're going to do what Sean Marks did in Brooklyn, right? Which is we have no draft picks. Well, those guys were forced because they had no draft picks. They, they had that horrendous Boston, the trade with Boston where they took KG, Paul Pierce and traded away all their first rounders. Um, and so then they were like, okay, we're going to get Kenny Atkinson, who's a great coach for player development. And we're going to um, just get all these, they were just really good at scouting talent that they could like uh, Jared Allen and uh, um, Joe, Joe Alexander. And like, what's his, Oh God, the guy from LA, uh, D'Angelo Russell. Like you just picked up all these kinds of scraps, people who viewed them as mm-hmm. and sort of realized, no, they're not. We just got to like get them in the right environment develop them and just train them and they're going to do well, which is what they did. Now that's something that all the teams need to do and not all of them do that. And I think it's because of the ownership of whether it's Robert Sarver in Phoenix or it's James Dolan in New York, like some of these guys are just not that good at it, but that would have to change. Now uh, slots three, four, five is where I'd say, okay, the teams that that's just the traditional lottery, like the worst place team gets your best odds. Then you're, then then I would then I would actually say the fourth like I would do it so that the fourth slot the fourth like the third slot is the thirtieth team gets the best odds the fourth slot is the twenty ninth gets the best the fifth is the twenty eighth gets the best so it's like you 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 kind of have the better chances of dr- drawing in the top five for those teams and mm-hmm. so much of the media likes to to keep hyping up about who gets the number one pick which I think is a bit over it, it's kind of misleading because. Quite frankly, like, yes, there are some drafts once in a generation, you get a LeBron. And then once every several years, you get like a Blake or a Zion, um, somebody who just is above everybody else at that uh, in their in their class, but maybe not legendary. But in a lot mm-hmm. of drafts, like uh, the talent between three, four, five, six and so forth, like it's not that far apart. Like they just they're all very, very talented players. They've been spending their lives honing their crafts. They're at the highest level. So the idea that to go from one to three is like the worst. No, like if you are a great team with great management, you have like a solid culture, you can take the top three player, the top four player, and you can integrate them into your system. So I, so I think that you're still giving a feedback mechanism to the worst teams. If you, if you give them the highest chances of, and I would, and I, and I think in the, Current in the current draft, they only have it's like a twenty five percent chance of that. I would I would up that. I would make it like maybe not fifty percent, but make a significant odds that they are going to draft in those at three, four, five, um, or, or maybe yeah. like even among those teams, so you, they can't just try to game it. But like, um, but I would want to. I would. This is where I would reserve for the for them to to try to re- lock and reload, right? Okay. Um, I'm going to skip to five and six because I mean, there's nothing, I don't know if there's really much to comment on, on, on those ones because that's kind of like tradition. Those are traditional. Um, that's like a, that's the traditional draft methodology we have now, but five and six is where I deviate again. So sorry, six and seven, because like three, four, uh, three, four, five is where it's lottery. Now five, six and seven, I would devote to, it's a lottery, but it's, it's dedicated only to the playoff teams that didn't make the uh, the conference finals because we are already told like the two conference finalists are going to draft one and two. Now, the mm-hmm. reason I would suggest this is because I mentioned those teams that are on the bubble, like they're at nine, ten. They're like, ah, screw it. Forget the playoffs. We're just going to get into the first round. They get swept. What's the point? So like they might even try to ease up and try to increase their lottery odds then make the playoffs. And – I kind of get it. I understand they're responding to incentives, 
But what if like, instead of you trying to get into like the bottom rung, like three, four, five, because like I, I talked about how three, four, five would the best odds would go to the bottom three teams. But if you were in the 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 uh, the ninth or tenth place team, you would still have a chance to to move up into those odds. But if you make the playoffs, you should be rewarded for that. So you should be encouraged to to try and get to the playoffs, even if you're getting swept in the first round. Like then you're still getting a you're still getting lottery balls for the sixth or seventh slot. And I would make it equal odds for every of the one of those playoff teams so that you can't try to start gaming it where you're going to try and tank within the playoff structure or try to, you know, if anything, you might, I, I wouldn't, and I wouldn't stack it up so that uh, the, the odds are with the higher ranked teams, because um, mm-hmm. again, this is about trying to maintain some level of balance. And we're already giving the, the, the top two non-finals teams, like some, some odds there. And like, I mean, I'll give you a couple of examples what this might have looked like, right? So, like, in 2011, right? Let's just say hypothetically, like, this could be a team that's, like, the fifth-place team or it could be, like, the eighth-place team at a conference, right? So so maybe when you remember, like, Chicago had Derrick Rose and he was he uh, he got injured. It's, like, then mm-hmm. he, they're in the first round. So then, like, maybe, um, like, in that draft, Kemba Walker's up for – maybe they get to draft Kemba Walker. Now, all of a sudden, you got Kemba Walker, you got Jimmy Butler – and that's your duo, right? Maybe that changes things in Chicago. That that could change Kemba's career too. Like I think a lot of Kemba's career, sort of like you you just didn't really get to see him too much because he was in Charlotte. Um, like or maybe you get an eighth seed who like Indiana in that same year. He they get to draft Jonas Valanciunas. He's immediately some guy you could slot in instead of Roy Hibbert. And then like, um, what does that team look like then? Because now you've got a kind of a big who can kind of be a little more mobile than Roy's Roy Hibbert was. So then they don't have to because the problem is is teams that are not on the with a rocket pack to the finals, like a lot of the times if they hit their wall, they lose in the first or second round, they do that two, three years in a row, and they're like, okay, we gotta break it up. But what if like you don't have to break it up? What if you actually have a chance to to be rewarded for actually trying to win? And then you get a pick that you can add to your team who's gonna who's now gonna be better. And again, it pushes the envelope, it pushes the level of competition with the other teams in the top bracket. They can't just assume, okay, they're on top now. I don't know. That would be the case for six and seven. Two different slots, equal odds each. Any opinion on that so far? Yeah. Um, you know what? I'm actually going to reserve it to the end. Okay. I, I, have, I have a little tweak that I want to okay. do that I want to help out the bottom four teams in the league. Okay. It's all said and done. I, I do. Mm-hmm. So then I'll quickly wrap this part up because like the, 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 um, the uh, positions nine through 16, pretty straightforward, just traditional draft. Like the, whoever's remaining in of the non-playoff teams, you get to like lottery all the way through and you just, just pull them out and then they get their picks. And I still I don't agree with the notion that nine through sixteen means like okay they're they're terrible like if you have a solid enough team culture you can you can draft well you can pick those guys like Amari Stoudemire Kawhi Leonard like um, I'm forgetting who else was that low like um, those those are the two guys that come to mind right now so so I mean I think really the biggest changes that I thought was in slots one and two for like the conference finalists. Slide six and slot six and seven for two playoff teams, just to spice it up so that teams are not viewing the regular season as a joke. 
that they're trying to win every game that they can because it's going to, if they can get to that conference finals, it's really going to affect, it's actually going to give them the number one pick. Two, um, if you get into the playoffs, you get rewarded for it. That's the thing. So beyond just okay. ticket revenue. So what did you want to suggest? Or yeah, and add on to it. And then what did you think about the last two? Uh, two that I'm, again, I, I kind of I like change. I don't, okay. I don't need to... Um... I don't want to. I don't want to nitpick what you said because I would. I would love to see something like that happen, just because I'm kind of a, okay. a stickler for for change. The only thing I would feel love free to nitpick to do, though, if you if there's anything you want to nitpick, please well, feel free, I, well, I will be. I will be. Yeah, yeah I will okay. be right now. I Great. I would still like to do more for the bottom two teams, probably bottom four teams, and this okay. is what I would love to do. I would love for them to have their pick at <laughs> every single NBA team. And let's say that the top four <laughs> teams in the NBA can only protect like oh, wow. six players. Okay. But then, but then, but then five all the way down can only protect four. And these bottom feeding teams can have their pick at pretty much like 200 NBA players. Because I'm with you when it comes to drafting. Um, okay. Okay. It's really hard to. <laughs> You know, it's it's really hard to see who's going to who's going to pan out, but okay. yeah, I would like to see you know who's garbage this year. Like a Detroit, yeah, it would be nice to see if Detroit can like say, oh, I want um, I want Norm Powell, right? Because Raptors didn't protect him, and we have okay. cap space, so he's ours. Like that would make things interesting because, um, that you know, interesting because because I like you know me like I'm you know we've we we talk about our our love for pro wrestling. I, I just love these <laughs> bottom feeding teams just to kind of get a low blow in and just to kind of, you know, but, but let's, but let's make it fair, right? Let's, let's, let's let these, your reward for coming in, say top six in the conference is that you can protect like say eight players, right? A really high number. Okay. And, um, and then maybe, maybe eight onward, you can only protect six and then say the bottom 10 can only protect like three or something like that. And that way you have, um, oh, and then, and then you can, and then it's like, uh, you ever played like past the parcel or hot potato at like Christmas? I mean, you don't want the same players year after year, um, you know, being, being tossed around because, you know, he's, he's coveted. Like there, I would like to see restriction. I wouldn't like to see, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to see a Bradley Beal hop on four teams in four years because he's the guy that teams <laughs> don't protect, right? Maybe maybe, maybe yeah. he's a bubble player that teams just don't want to protect. So, um, yeah, I mean, if we're just making up scenarios and rules, like let's let's at least um, – yeah, okay. I wouldn't mind throwing something like that and okay. just kind of a wild card thing to, to what, you've, the, what you've laid out. Let's – okay, let's explore this a little bit, what this looks like. So mm-hmm. four teams can – So pretty um, much so, – so just, just – just for people who aren't aware, this is pretty much how um, this is how expansion teams come into the NBA, right? You, yeah, it is. Uh, these yeah. NBA teams, yeah. And if I recall, maybe you know more than I do, the Raptors and the Grizzlies had some of the some of the worst <laughs> um, conditions when it came to. I mean, pretty much all the NBA teams were able to protect like what twelve players going yeah. into that expansion year. The Raptors got like you know. John to box and all these other guys, Reggie Slaters and, yeah. and of the world. Um, really, really, um, you know, not, um, not your type A talent. Um, 
Which makes so sense. you're an expansion team, like we're not gonna make right, it but but they out. really but I think for the next expansion teams that came in, they really loosened it, and those teams did not suffer They're... as long as the Raptors and Grizzlies did. Which expansion well, team the Grizzlies... are you talking about? Well, who would have been the next expansion after was, the Raptors and there, there was um, well, kind of. I mean, Charlotte moved and okay, Sonic so moved. See. Okay, but I think like, I think I think well, those teams moved, but there was no expansion draft. And I know the Charlotte Hornets did move to New Orleans. Okay, uh, when um, the Bobcats emerged. Uh, I don't. They were treated as an expansion franchise, weren't they? Actually, good question. I want to see about that. But okay, I mean, I just know that. Yeah, yeah. I just know that it was pretty horrendous for when the Raptors and Grizzlies came into the league. That, um, you know, they got they got nothing. They got their draft picks, and they only had their draft picks for the next three years, which was good for them because they were gonna, you know, finish at the bottom anyways, um, or near the bottom. And um, it still didn't help Vancouver, right? I mean, they they fizzled out of the NBA. Um, You're right. The expansion draft. There was an expansion draft for the Bobcats. I guess I, I got it wrong how many teams that there were because there are 30 teams, and I thought the Raptors. And but uh, it's kind of interesting how you and I like grew up with this era of NBA expansion, and we just sort of take it for granted there's 30 teams. But like, mm-hmm. there was no real NBA before we were. I mean, there was, but not to the level as we know it. But sorry, the right. So let's say. Um, the four, t- the four teams. So they get to pick just one player each, or like how many? Because you, because that's a lot of players who are exposed. Um, but like, how how many players do they yep. get to pick? Okay, so one each, pick. along with their draft pick. So, so it'd be like they get it. They get it. So if we're going to not give them or not even um, allow them an opportunity to pick, say the first two overall in the NBA draft, and the best they can do is what three under your, yeah. um, under your yeah. yeah. Um, then yeah, let's give them, you know, uh, access to, let's just okay. say 150 NBA players on the payroll. Okay. So and I, uh, mm-hmm. let me, so let's just picking at a little bit. I like, I, I like a general concept. It's really like the brand, uh, whatever they call it in wrestling now, like when they do the, Oh, it's, the it's terrible. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the same. I thought that's where you're pulling it from. That's the method, right? Where, Raw and SmackDown, they just roll, well, they shake it up, and then they're just gonna bring guys back and forth or whatever onto different different brands. Like that's kind of what it ends up being, I guess. You're just like, oh, like we're you're basically, you know, people wait for free agency. Um, this essentially in a non free agency year, it's like every year scheduled. You're gonna you're gonna wait to see who's getting moved. Now. Well, and maybe and maybe the NBA could do that. Maybe under the next round of CBAs. Not, I mean, I don't your idea and, and, and my will ever, but yeah, it'd be kind of cool. And um, it'd be kind of cool to see that not every year is a free agent year. Maybe it's, maybe you, it has to be every other year. And then there's this measure involved with the, with the drafting, right. Where, okay. you know, non-free agent years, we get this kind of wild card for a lack of a better name. So, and, and I'm trying to be as objective about it. Okay, I think the idea I floated, okay, the reason why it's not like that happens is because I don't have I don't have the Adam Silver on the phone or any of the owners, right? But but if something, mm-hmm. somebody's listening to this podcast and they take the idea and they run with it, I'll be very happy. I think in order to get it past the board of governors and everything, like you got to get whatever the formula is of how many votes and how many from each conference. Like it's actually doable, I think, because I think a lot of the owners 
kind of do question like what's the merit of a draft that just keeps rewarding the worst teams and putting the best players in the worst markets on the worst teams where you don't get to see them except on league pass and and sometimes they're wasting precious development years um so i do think that there would actually be an appetite to look at how you can fix that and people just keep reverting to their to the traditional draft format and how you can tweak it around the edges and and they just i don't know it takes a wholesale change you don't think about it now the the idea you come up with, I like the novelty and what the what the fan like the fan reaction would be and how it would be really just fun for the fans. The challenge would be if you're those players, you like every year you'd go in thinking, okay, I could be just plucked off my team. That's basically it. Like if you're Norm Powell, if you're uh, if you are um, uh, who else is there? Like um, Terry Rogier, I don't know. Like if you're you know like just you have a hot year, you have like one good year, you could just get plucked. And, you know, a lot of these guys, like if you're 22, you don't care, right? You're going to go live whatever. But, you know, if you're 27, you, you might have just finally bought your house. You know, if you're DeMar DeRozan, maybe you just bought your place in Toronto and you and your Kyle Lowry, you got kids and you're like, all right, you know, I just, this is my home now, I guess. Or what's his name? Lou Williams, who, you know, famously took less money to stay in Clipperland because he just like, it's like, man, I've been playing in so many teams and like my kids don't even mm-hmm. know the team I play for. And I just, I just want to be able to have some roots somewhere. And I could see the players association having a problem with that. I think that. Oh, for sure. I think that. Oh, the, yeah. My, my, at the end of the day, my idea is terrible. Let me, um, let me help you with that though. When it comes to the board of governors and, okay. you know, maybe if they're looking for a change, if you listen to our previous podcast, Lenial Grit. I mean, these players can do whatever they want, really. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're if you're if if you're Zion and yeah. you don't like where you are in a year, you could probably demand a trade and player of that caliber. I mean, the Pelicans aren't going to hang on to a disgruntled uh, player. They're probably going to trade. So, really, players do have all the power. We don't have to. We actually don't have Star to players. give these teams right. We actually don't have to incentivize these teams or give them any more. Okay. parameters to work with because at the end of the day players are going to play they're going to play for typically what team they want to right or at least at least change their current situation right yeah. they can at least say listen i want to trade i've given you two three years uh, good years here these are a list of teams i would realistically like to be um like to be going to okay. and you know teams are pretty much going to make that happen right the, the days of strong arm owners the, those days yeah. are gone right so you and i can reform draft all year which i like and i would love to see something different because again i think the system the, the system does need a shock to it okay. and what you propose is great and anything even if we took 20 percent of what you took you know even the even the you know just just to have the the gumption to Okay. reward a conference champion <laughs> like a number one draft pick like i love that that's that's, that's the kind of stuff that's that's cool right it's it would really send shockwaves or even if they get a top five pick right maybe they don't get number one but they can get you know three to eight something like that yeah, yeah. just any maybe anything any one. little thing that mm-hmm, any little thing that we can take from what you've outlined or you know yeah. work with it into and implement that into the current um draft model as it exists would be would be great Cause I just I keep thinking when that that Raptor team kind of got um, beaten down by the Cavs, like imagine if they actually 
oh, okay, yeah, we got beaten down, but now we just drafted, you know, Lonzo Ball or like Jason Tatum or actually I might be getting the years mixed up. Sorry, my bad. But like, just uh, I know what you mean. But you know, it just changes that. It does suck. Yeah, it. It's like yeah, it does suck that that the Raptors get rewarded by by nothing, right? They get these. You're like, okay, time to blow up the team. It's like. Oh man, that kind of yeah. sucks because yeah. the Rockets, when they came so close to beating the Warriors, you're like, like, oh, that sucks. Okay, time to blow. No, no, they didn't blow it up. They went and they retooled it for the next year. Good for them. But it's just a lot of teams. Like you think about LeBron, the teams LeBron crushed over the years, like the, the Bulls, the Pacers, the Hawks. Like it's just like, what if you think you crushed them, but they come back with this other young raw like talent, whether it's Zion or whoever. You're like, oh, actually, no, nah, I didn't just crush you and. And if you still keep beating them, that really shows you how great you are. Um, so that's that was the inspiration that's true. there. Um, yeah. And um, just so we don't have just an automatic cycle of repetition. Now, I, I want to build on your idea just a little bit because I think here's what could make it work: is the guys that are eligible to um, be picked like that would I think be rest- like oncoming rest- restricted free agents. So it'd be like. Guys who are in their early part of the career, they basically are in their third mm-hmm. fourth year. And at the end of that season, they will be free agents. And the team, you know, like how it works with where if the team, like they're, they're, they're free agents, but they can take any, they can sign any offer, but the, their, their home team has the first right to match the offer and keep the player. But yeah, so you're pretty much, you're pretty much, yeah, you're pretty much talking about the franchise tag in the NFL, but we would make it work for the NBA, which is, which is great. But yeah, so what would happen is with your idea, which I think like those players would just automatically like the team, the home team would be like, okay, yeah, they're restricted free agents. However, the bottom four teams, they might just pick off like that guy off your team and he's, he's oncoming free agent. And the fact is the reason it kind of still makes sense is because the restricted free agents, like they still don't have full agency. They don't fully get to pick where they're going to play. Yeah. Like, what happens is though is, you would have to, I think you would have to have a situation where you're assuring them if they do get picked, there's an automatic bonus, an automatic like lump sum bonus that they get that's so that, you know, that appeases the union. Because the union's going to say like, well, what's in it for the player? Why do they, they're going to lose their agents. They're going to lose their agency further. Like, okay, well, yeah. if we pick them, then they're getting an automatic bonus and it doesn't count to the salary cap, you know, like that's something that you could do. And uh, yeah. It's uh, it's an interesting thing too because what it does is not only does it build up the last place teams, the fourth bottom four, it sort of throws a wrench in the works of the other teams who've been building and planning along, right? So, example would be who's a restricted free agent coming up this year? Um, like, let's say, and and yeah, the the teams can still protect who they want, right? Like you said, but let's say it was. Uh, I'll um, just make up a player. Okay, say last year, Pascal Siakam. I mean, mm-hmm. okay, not a great example because the Raptors, maybe they could protect them. Or maybe you can't. Maybe let's say you can't. <laughs> or maybe you don't want to. Okay, fair enough. Because yeah, because I mean, because if you're like me who didn't like, think that Pascal like was worth protecting. Yeah. Fair yeah, like, like like for me, I I would have – okay, so rewind a bit. When – when um, if, I, if I have my chronological – yeah, if I got my chronologically correct, um, Leonard left, Kawhi Leonard left Toronto, and then Russell decided that he was going to make himself a free agent, right? And inside my head, I'm like, oh, okay, well, he's going to force a trade or do something. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
I was thinking, yeah, I would totally oh, trade okay. Pascal Siakam for Russell Westbrook. Yeah. And this would this would have been a great example for you to implement your, you know, NBA franchise tag or protection for for a guy like him if you wanted to, if you were the Raptors, right? Because then a situation might have come where okay, the Raptors protect Pascal, and then um, you know that that trade kind of goes by the wayside. But um, no, no, I meant like that the the bond team can yank the restricted free agents because currently oh, I see what you mean. Agents, but this way, like you don't get the pushback. You you're less likely to get pushback from the union because all these other guys who are on a team all of a sudden just get pulled off a team. However. A, a, a guy who's going to be a restricted free agent was already potentially leaving that team anyway. And he doesn't yeah. have full agency on signing with where he wants. So if, if Oklahoma was going to yank Pascal Siakam, like that could have theoretically happened anyway. Like, you know, if you sign him and you sign him to a sheet that the Toronto Raptors don't match, but let's say they can pick when they weren't the bottom team, but let's say it's the Sacramento Kings can pick him. We've picked him. And he's going to come with us. And, and I don't know the mechanics of like, maybe it's a forced trade or maybe the, maybe in turn the Raptors get to like, you get, it's a forced trade. Maybe be like, you'd have to figure out what, how the money works. And mm-hmm. maybe the Raptors would, um, uh, you'd be like, okay, we're going to take Pascal. Now Raptors, you can pick any player you want off the, off the Kings, I guess. Or it's like, we're going to, in turn, we only get to protect the top two or three players. You can pick whoever else you want. So they're gonna, yeah. pick, I don't know, Marvin Bagley the uh, third. So like um, uh, something like that. Are you are you fam- are you familiar with um, are you familiar with the uh, transfer windows in in soccer? No, no, not entirely. No, not really. So basically, soccer heads might might uh, might correct us, me specifically later. So pretty much, you're only allowed to be traded like twice a year, soccer, okay. right? And there's these, it's awesome, right? Because um, pretty much you protected that entire for, for, for all those periods. And then there's like this two week window where it's just, it's just a sprint, right? It's, it's yeah. everyone's on edge and it's, it's really compelling, right? It's a really exciting time of year. Um, and in soccer, it's, it's kind of bad to say, but pretty much your property, right? So okay. you, you, you can trade the player, but then you might also throw in like 30 million euros because you know, you're yeah, giving okay. away your property. It's like a player is like a house. It's, it's, you're getting the house and the lot. And that's kind of how a player is, is treated okay. in European soccer. So I would actually love to see kind of everything that you described okay. and maybe draft weekend can be part of free agent frenzy or whatever the heck they call it. <laughs> Just kind of make it one week or one weekend where, Everything happens in that week, and maybe we have maybe we get the chronology correct. Where it's draft day is draft day is the is the Friday or the weekend, and then by Tuesday at four p.m. you have to get all your free agents um, done. Okay, and then and then you know how you always have those players that oh I'm they might wait till second week of the season to get it. Well, guess what? You have to wait till pretty much three weeks before the All Star game or something like that. Like you missed your window to sign for a team because. Um, um, because they kind of want to see where the league is at and they, they'll decide to hop on um, the team that suits their needs the best. So I would like to see the NBA also tinker with that, kind of have it where it's um, where it's a little bit like soccer because I think that would be really exciting for the fan base. And they'd be the only kind of ball and stick sport to do it um, where okay. there's kind of moratoriums on trades except for maybe three, four times a year. 
Okay. And then players are protected out um, the rest of the year. So that's, that's something that we could, you know, separate the NBA brand from the rest of the leagues as well. Yeah. Okay. This is uh, it's interesting. I kind of mull it all over. Um, I, I just, I, I, it's been on my mind for a long time because I never fully bought into like the way it is. Cause I'm just like, why am I seeing OJ Mayo go to Memphis and Kevin Love go to Minnesota? Like this is years ago, right? I'm like, why am I seeing these players go to these teams? Now, now and then you do get yeah. Chicago gets Derrick Rose or Luca goes to Dallas. It's like, okay. And I don't want to shit yeah. on like small towns, ta- small towns, but like, sorry, that's just the way it is. Like, it's just the same thing. Like, how people used to say maybe Vince Carter didn't be in Toronto, which turned out to actually be really good just for the sport overall. But it was a small mm-hmm. team, and you had the most exciting player of the league playing out of the country, not on ESPN, right? So, um, right. So anyway, but uh, no, that's great, man. That's great. Um, so I think that's good. Uh, so thanks everybody. Thanks for listening. Just uh, open to any feedback, please. Rate, review, subscribe. If you have any any comments, BayHeightsPod at gmail Follow us on Twitter, Instagram. Love to hear from you, okay? Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Ryan. Good night, everyone. Take care, Jason. stick to your vision. Keep the composition. Seen a lot of shame in the game. Seen a lot of pain with the fame. Seen a lot of highs and lows, but that's just the way life goes. Seen my name written in the lights. Seen a lot of things in my life. Seen a lot of highs and lows, but that's just the way life goes. Yo, I grab the microphone like a priest does a rosary, Jehovah.